All right, how you guys doing? Wow. <laughs> so weird. When I'm jolly, you guys are like, eh, and then you guys lifted me up when I'm down. That's, that's fun. So um, I recently, well, first of all, we just finished like a, I counted, it was a two-month series. It's pretty good. It's not the record yet. I'm pretty sure we did Walking with Jesus for like 42 weeks. I'm just kidding. Um, we're actually about to go into our next series which is Walking with Jesus, we try to do once a year, uh, in which we walk with Jesus through the Gospels, uh, one Gospel a year. So before that, and my plan was initially to start that today, um, and then God, I think, put on my heart something a little different uh, from my own life. So today is sort of the, the intro, the hype, the preparation for the series to come. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where we're at. And in order to tell you how I got here, I'm, I'm going to be a little transparent with you. I, I think this stuff a lot, what I'm about to tell you, but I think the past couple of, really a couple of months, have been even, I've been pondering even more what I'm about to say. And today has been, man, actually yes, starting yesterday has been really strong. So recently, I sent out a, man, I don't know how transparent to be, we have visitors, so I'll just do it. So part of, I feel like, what my job is at this church is to <clears throat> see the vision, right? Cast a vision. And then on top of that, kind of make it seem like you're, you know, I think of a captain on a ship. I'm not really any, any more important than the people doing the actual <laughs> sailing and all of that. So to be saying, hey, we're headed, where are we heading here? You know, a pirate. Um, <clears throat> so... Because of that, I've been noticing things in our church, and some of it's not fun stuff, you know, things that we've got to kind of get back to the vision and, and sort of remember that. But in doing that, and I preach this, and I do live this, this thing out, um, even if I struggle sometimes with other things, is I want to start with me. What am I doing? We talk a lot at our church about being a culture setter, and a lot of people here now go, they, they say they know, and just like anything else, whether you're at work or whether you're at home in your own families or at churches, you kind of have these sayings that become just cliche, right? You, you say them and you all know what they mean, but they lose meaning. Are you with me? Yeah. So that's kind of what it is here, culture setter. When it first happened, you're like, what does that mean? Yeah, that's awesome. And essentially, it's the idea that we want to be a church filled with Christians and people who kind of set our flag on the ground and say, we're not moving. Right? On God's word, we're not moving. It may not be popular. It may not even be popular with mainstream Christianity sometimes, but that's what we're going to do. And I think overall we do a pretty good job of that. But with that is the, the nuts and bolts of it, right? We're going to be a community of grace and of love and of mercy and of truth and community and all of those kinds of other things that we are called to be. Um, so in doing that, I need to be a pretty good culture setter myself. right? I need to be able to model that or... That's, if I'm not even trying, that's hypocrisy. P.S., real quick, because I'm sure there's people in this room. I need to redefine your word. This has nothing to do with the sermon. Hypocrisy. A lot of you in this room that are grumpy and angry, you hear people talk, and the problem is, is because you say, those hypocrites are telling me what to do, and that guy is clearly a jerk and doesn't do it well himself. And you're right. That's not hypocrisy. There's no one perfect that has ever lived except Jesus Christ. So no one would ever be able to preach God's word or tell the truth if they... Um, didn't struggle with the same things. So hypocrisy is not preaching one thing and maybe failing at it. Hypocrisy is preaching one thing and not even trying. Not, and, and saying, I'm going to hold you to a standard I don't even 
care to hold myself to, not fail. Does that make sense? This is important. A lot of your anger and frustration in this room, whether it's with me, Christianity, or other things, comes from the fact that you want to call people hypocrites because they struggle. The truth is you're just justifying the fact that whatever they said kind of upsets you because it probably hit close to home, right? I mean, that's reality. So anyway, just a little aside, Todd's definition of the day. Do with that as you will. So, culture setter. Um, part of me doing that is I sent, I've done this three times in my life. I got it from a book, Wild at Heart, and I've adapted it to my own life. And he talks about if you want to know the kind of man you are, ask the people around you. And you have to ask people that are willing to be honest. And so you ask them, how do I make you feel? Who am I? What do I do? And good and bad. And I have this specific series of questions I ask them, and I'm going to be honest with you, as bold as I am. That's terrifying. Because what I try to do is, yes, I'm going to ask people close, real close to me, but I'm going to go all the way out. They have to be somewhat close. They can't be random strangers, though that would be interesting. Um, they're within, like, if you have the dartboard of intimacy. I just made that up, right? The center is your spouse or your, I don't know, your mom or dad or whatever, and then outward is your best friends, and then out of that is kind of the people you work with. So I sent that out to a bunch of people. And... Um, I mean, there were some good things in there, and I think part of what God's telling me is I need to focus on some, that sometimes instead of all the bad junk about me. But some of it is hard to hear because there are things that I have always said that I want to be, and all of a sudden I'm not that. Or maybe there's things that I don't want to be, and all of a sudden I am that. So, and I keep, I just said this again today, and I feel I'm not going to say her name, but I had a good friend of mine send this to me, and Essentially, this is terrifying to admit to you, by the way, but this is a great example, and it wasn't the one I was going to use, but I think it's probably better. She said, hey, you're really passionate, and you fight for truth. All that's paraphrasing, which is true. Hey, and you, you want to set culture, and when you believe in something, you're going to push for things to be better, right? All that kind of stuff. But sometimes when people do things that go against that or whatever, you can come in, and, it can, and it's going to sound way, they said it way more eloquent and nice than I'm about to tell you. But you can humiliate them. They did say that word, right? And that part wasn't even, they weren't even saying that was bad, which is, shows, it's incredibly convicting because they still see good in me, but says, and sometimes that makes me afraid to talk because I'm afraid you're going to do that to me. Man, that's tough to swallow. Because honestly, I do. And my first thought was like, well, I have to. What if they have lies? And what if they're, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I was like, what? Who am I? You know, I used to be a guy, I talk about a lot, chosen by grace. I used to be the guy who was literally accused of genuine, this happens, I love it. It's become kind of a part of my story. You take grace too far. I used to be that guy. And then through growing and learning and being a, a pastor, which I never set out to be, I've learned that part of the job is, yes, accepting people where they are, but as your church grows and people stay, you got this, this whole crazy thing. I thought I could just preach the gospel, you know, and tell people they're loved by God, but you got to do this thing called shepherding, <laughs> where you got to, like, tell people when they're going the wrong way and all that kind of stuff. And, that's, and so then I started doing that, and I didn't do that for a long time. And now, you know, essentially what has happened is I still think my motives maybe I'm justifying, are good. But somehow from here to here, they get twisted or it becomes harder or I lose love. And I've thought this before and why that's a really good symbol is I've sat around before and I will say stuff because part of leadership is weight. It's not fun. It just isn't. And I'll go back and, I, and you don't like, listen, when you're a leader, you got to tell people when they're doing stuff wrong and it's really hard <laughs> because I don't like 
despite what it comes across as, I don't enjoy conflict. Right? I may be uh, abrasive and confrontational, but I do not like confrontation. I don't. Who likes that? Who likes making people mad? I don't know anyone that does that. And I've been thinking for a long time, you know, we st- I started this church at we small group. I started this church out with like eight years ago, this year, and I believe August. I have to look when we officially became. We met a little before that. Eight years. I had zero idea what I was doing. Not trained as a church planner. Yeah, I was in seminary, but did not want to be a pastor because I didn't like church. <clears throat> I know. Isn't that crazy? And when we started, there was like 12 people. Out of those 12 original people, nine of them left, are not even here anymore. Isn't that crazy? And when you look at that, then, you know, you get some other people come along, then you're kind of the 20. And out of the 20, probably 15 are not here anymore. And then all of a sudden, you're meeting in a place, and you're like, yeah, we're just going to try to do some good. And then the next thing you know, you, you, you sort of believe God's behind it, but at the same time, it's just a cool opportunity to tell people the gospel. And, like, it's a crazy tale. I should tell that sometime. But... And then all of a sudden you're growing, you know, and then you're growing to 20 people and 25. And then all of a sudden, you know, you mess up and you think you've ruined everything. And then you come back and you're like, yeah, I'll just kind of ride this out till it dies. You know, I'll be faithful, God, but just as far as, you know, I have to because I don't want to tell God no. But at the same time, this is not fun, you know. And then all of a sudden God's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to literally, like, put your mistakes and things on display and be glorified through it which is crazy to think about. And so I used to be this guy that was fun. Isn't that crazy to think about if you know me? I was the fun guy. (laughs) Fun guy. Fungus. Anyway, uh, I was. I was the fun guy. I was like the life of the party kind of guy. I know that's hard to believe knowing how I come off now, but that's true. I was legitimately the fun one. Like my buddies, if I wasn't there, and this isn't being cocky, they would tell you that. Like, I was sort of the glue guy that brought all the buddies together, and without them, they were me, they were kind of awkward. Have you ever had friend groups like that where you take one person out, and you're like, so, we're best friends, but we don't know what to do. I was that guy. And man, I loved Jesus so much, I used to cry a lot when I would talk about Jesus and tell people the gospel. I did. Because I know what it is to not know him. You know, being 17 years old and then getting saved and seeing a change in you when you have no idea is, is miraculous. You know, reading the New Testament and not going to church for two years... Is crazy. Like, I read that thing, <laughs> the whole thing, because that's all I had in my book. I think I had Proverbs, too, you know, the New Believer stuff. And I had such a passion for the gospel and such a passion for the broken and the hurting, and I just wanted people to know they're loved. That was, like, my number one goal, that who you are and where you are right now, that God loves you in that moment. Because that blew my mind. Because when I came to know Jesus, hell was scary. Don't get me wrong, and it is. And it's a real thing, but maybe it was my pride and my stubbornness, that fighter in me that's like, yeah, I don't really think about that. But man, that love that I didn't even think I wanted, the love of Christ like busted through my walls of resistance, you know, and changed me. And then over time, you, you know, I find myself grinding and doing things, and I've been part of miraculous things. I have literally seen miracles. Isn't that crazy? <clears throat> No, I didn't fly or walk on water or anything, but I did see miracles, and I've seen crazy things happen, and yet I find myself walking around frustrated and mad and irritated and sad and not joyful, and what my friend told me recently, I just shared with you earlier, it was sort of like the icing on the cake. 
where I had to finally go, what am I? Like, who am I? How, you know, I go to church, and, and how did I become that? How did I become a pastor? Because I hated that term, which is so arrogant, I know. Because I just felt like I couldn't measure up to that, that fake perfection. Because, and, I said, and maybe that's part of it, is that I'm still mad at church. But then all of a sudden, you know, how, do I, how did I do that? How do, I, how do I find myself seeing people and my patience and my, the desire and seeing their hurt? I used to see people's hurt. I used to pray all the time, God, give me eyes to see them the way you do. I, I prayed it all the time. I realized today I haven't prayed that prayer in forever. I did today. But I haven't prayed that. I used to pray that every day. And I don't know if, I, if, if you're in this room and you don't know about prayer, God still moves in it. He does. He doesn't always give you exactly what you want, especially when it's like the money and the car and but man, he will give you that stuff in your heart. And I wonder why I don't see people that way. And I didn't ask. And I started focusing on me sometimes, right? And not, not in the way that you think. I've got to serve him. I've got to tell the truth. Yeah, amen. But then sometimes that becomes, that becomes it. And I become the thing I hate. Right? Because truth without that, and, and listen, my heart's never changed. I still feel and know grace, but how, I don't show that as much. And then here's some stuff I haven't told anyone. My faith is dry, and I just admitted it to you, and I'm not supposed to. Because guess what? In your flesh, what's flesh, Todd? That bad part of you. That bad part of you likes to then, you, you know, three or four months from now when I call you out up here unintentionally or accidentally or whatever else, when I'm preaching and you get mad, you're going to go, well, who's he think he is, blah, blah, blah. That, that's what our minds, our minds do. So I'm kind of giving you ammo for the future. How did I get to the point where I wake up and all I thought about, is, I think about is like the things I have to do for the kingdom? That's not wrong in and of itself. Like how did it become routine? I don't know. And it's easy to see in other people, isn't it? It's easy to see the routine and the regular. I think that's why, if I'm honest, you know, <laughs> this is so hip now I'm about to be hypocritical, is that I see it in Christians all the time. I'm like, oh, you drive me nuts. That's why I love non-believers. Or someone in this room who's like never grown up in church, because maybe. I mean, they can be punks too. But maybe you're at least real enough to open your ears and hear this because the rest of you know everything. You know every single thing. You've heard the Bible a hundred million times. Well, you, don't know, you know everything, right? See, there it is, my frustration coming out. I miss having my first instinct being like love. I miss that. I am a better pastor but maybe a worse Christian. That's the truth. I'm a better pastor now than I was when I started, but I'm not sure I'm a better, I'm certainly not a better lover. Isn't that weird? How's that possible? My sermons used to be 15, 20 minutes long. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, you should have came here in 2013 and 14. I remember this couple, elderly, not elderly, if they hear this, they're going to be mad. You're not old. This older couple that would come and support us from this other church all the time. They were awesome. Um, they would go serve at their church and then come to us because we were in the evenings. And they would come, and he, every time she would come up. And at the time, I was like, nice, she really likes it. She goes, man, 
good sermon. You just get in and get out. 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, nice. I'm, and now looking back, I'm like, I wonder if she was saying, trying to find some good in that. Right? Like, hey, you know what? That was short because there may not have been much else in it. Because I think back then pretty much what I would do in everything is like, hey, I just want you guys to know you're sinners. But Jesus loves you and you can be saved forever. All right. I don't know why people kept coming. That was legitimately pretty much it. And yet God honored that, right? That's so weird. How did, how did I, how can I, and then I started thinking like before I even did the church, like started it, I was a part of crazy things. Like there is a part of my story, I say it a lot, okay, I call it, I don't know if there's five, I used to have a cool saying for it, but I used to be, this is true, wasn't in college, um, didn't have a family, I mean this, uh, no license, that's embarrassing, right? So didn't have a job, so I was like 19, wasn't playing football, these are all my idols, and my girlfriend broke up with me and trashed me to everyone I knew. And they weren't even true things. Well, some of them might have been, but most of the bad ones weren't. And literally, I, did I mention homeless? Yeah, I was homeless. <laughs> now here's the crazy thing. How, how, why is it that sometimes when I wake up in the morning or go to bed at night, I miss that? I do. How do I miss a time in my life when the situation was so miserable and yet long for a day? And when I say this, it's going to be ridiculous. You've heard the story if you're random people. But I used to, where I'm sitting in a Nazi's house. So you think that's silly. He was a Nazi. He called himself a Nazi. He had Nazi with like axes and swords and daggers stuck in the ceiling because he would just talk to you and chuck them up there and they'd stick. I'm dead serious. And he wore combat boots, and if he's watching, he knows I love him, right? You're like, Todd, how can you love a Nazi? Because I got to see some miraculous things happen. I remember sitting on a bench with him after befriending this guy. I remember thinking, how did I get here? How did Todd Blanton, right, my arrogance, Todd Blanton get here? And I'm sitting there with this guy and this group of people, and, and, and then I'm sitting on a bench, with it's like a movie, with the light on it and the 2 a.m., and then him leaning on my shoulder crying because he, he tells me that, really, I don't hate people. My mom was raped, and I hate by a non-Caucasian, and now I hate them all. He was older than me, too. This guy was like 45, and I was 20, 21. I didn't know what I was doing. But that's a real story that I got to randomly preach the, go I was just, the gospel. It was nuts, man. And I, but yet I was miserable <laughs> at times. And yet I'm telling you guys, I sometimes sit as far as my faith, and I'm like, that time felt so alive. I felt like I was following Jesus around, literally doing weird. I mean, how else do you end up with a Nazi? I didn't know this guy. It was a friend of a friend. He's like, hey, picks me up. You want to go to Steak and Shake? Sure. Hey, you want to meet my friend Pete? Yeah. As we pull in, and go, oh, real quick, Pete's a Nazi. Huh? <laughs> Come on. Dang it, I said his name. Oops. Haha, <laughs> that's not his real name. Actually, he's very proud of it. He's changed. If you see this, man, I miss you. How do I forget this stuff? How do I want to be back in a time when things were terrible? And I think, honestly, sometimes when I'm calling you out to, like, pay attention and listen, I'm probably calling myself too, man, because I'm like, what are you doing here? Because the one thing I do know is I do know it's real. Like, this is real stuff. That's a part for the problem with some of you. Like, you do this religion and you're mad about it. It's so funny. I'm like, why do you do this? You literally hate this whole thing. That's because you met him, but you're, you know, you kind of forgot why. Maybe like me. I wasn't quite there yet. How do I forget everything? How do I forget after everything that I've seen? 
You know, after being denied to go back to college, I've said this story, this is weird stuff. Yes, thank you. It's my daughter. Uh, so you click, she's very mad about this. So you click, I, I, I was applying for a student loan. I had to go to college. I got kicked out. I remember the homeless thing. I was at a random computer. I click, it says denied. My whole hope was like, okay, now I'm going to have to accept that I've got to go work with my dad in this miserable factory. You know, which I didn't know how I was going to do that because we didn't talk, but that was my plan. And I prayed because God was real to me. And I hit the same button again, submit, and it says accepted. You think, that, you think, that's, you think I'm making that up? You th- now, your mind's doing what my mind did and still does. Todd, there's probably some weird thing that happened. Yeah, my credit score changed in two minutes. No, I don't know how. I saw that. It's wild. After everything I've witnessed and seen, I still forget so easily. You guys being here is part of the miracle. You are. I can think of so many weird little things I did. Like, I was such a like hipster, young Christian guy that was like, I'll never talk about offering because peace and love, man. We don't need money. And then you're like, people just naturally give. <laughs> Boy, was I naive. Yeah. They'll see that box, and they'll just feel led to give. I never talked about it. Children's church, I'm like, no, we're going to accept. We're not even going to, you know, the kids will be a part of it all, and they will calmly sit and listen because the spirit will quiet, quiet in their spirits, screaming and running, right, around and around. I had so many crazy things happen, and I forget I forget, like, and why do I forget? You know, why is my faith dry? Why do I have less love? That's just truth. Kind of knocks at the door, right? Bitterness is like, hey, remember me? I'm like, hey, I thought you were already in here. Why? Why do I forget? Then sometimes I think, man, you know, God, if I had just seen, and then I start, my mind goes, well, you know, if I saw, I bet you do this sometimes. If, I had, if you showed me a miracle like you showed the apostles, right, I would believe this stuff. Why do you know? I would. There's a story in the book of John where a guy comes up and asks to, for him to, hey, come and, come and heal. And heal, heal my servant. John 4.48 says what Jesus says. May come up. I got you guys. You never know. Throw the cup, throw it around. Let's get excited. I love it. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. <laughs> now, here's the crazy thing. He was already, he'd already done some. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And so I think, just show me, God, if you do this, and maybe you're like, if you do this or you do that, Oh, I will believe and be refreshed. Show me. All you got to do to get me to believe is show me you're real. All you got to do is give me this, give me that, fix my. I won't obey because I don't have to unless you move. Show me. Imagine telling the king and demanding he bow at your feet and show you. You know what's crazy? I get it. But here's the question I had for myself. Just show me, God. Show me again. And he's like, I'll, I will follow and I'll believe. But would I? Would you? Because hasn't he already shown you the signs you're asking for? 
in your life? If you're a Christian in this room, he has. If you claim to be a Christian and you truly are one, he's already shown you. It's not enough, is it? But it used to be. Hasn't he already shown you the signs you're asking for and the wonders? Because I know he showed me. So it's not about that. I have a lot of scripture today. I want to look kind of at two things. I want to talk about that idea because I found something that God's kind of said to me, I feel like, kind of shown me in the, in the Bible about this concept. And that's where a lot of you're at. You, 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 it's funny, man. I stand up here and I, get, I act. Here I go again. But it's, this is true now. I try to be really humble because I understand that this comes with some sort of, like, this is the only time you listen to me. I tell people all the time, you'll amen me on Sunday and ignore me on Monday, right? That's just the truth, and it's because of this powerful little thing here, this wooden box, I guess. Are you following or are you practicing religion? We're going to, and I kind of want, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of follow Peter. I know you know a story, right? But for the sake of the rest of us here, just pretend you don't. I want to stop and say something. Must feel led to. If you're in the room right now and angry, whether you know me or not, if you're angry, why? Why are you really mad? What are you really upset about? I don't know you. Or if I do, we haven't talked today. What are you really mad about? And how is that stopping you from what God's going to do and could do for you today? You got to choose to let that stuff go, man. You got to choose to let go anger. It's got to be a choice. It won't just happen, trust me. Anyway, Matthew, book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Very short. As he, capital H, who is that? Jesus Christos, yes, Jesus. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. (laughs) Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father made the nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. We're like, well, of course he would. you got to remember, he's sitting here doing his job, and a random guy walks by, maybe you heard of him, and just goes, you, Simon. Follow me and I'll make you fish for people. If you're like me, I'd have been going. I don't have a big enough hook. What do you mean? But he got them and followed him. I like uh, the Gospel of John. As you know, the Gospels are all telling the same story from a different way. So they have a little, you know, from a different person's perspective. Some of them have different details. John 1, 14 and 42 even goes into, talks about Peter specifically. So this was said somewhere in that process. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. The first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means rock. So he follows him along, and they go, and they begin to get to know each other. And immediately, that's pretty cool. Simon immediately followed. That takes faith, right? Imagine that, though. Not only are you a fisherman, he says, I'm going to make you a fisherman, man, and I'm going to call you a rock. You will be the rock. 
So they move on and they get to see some really cool stuff. And in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, people started to hear about this Jesus guy. They've seen some stuff. And after this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. You already know what I'm going. See, you Christians are like, I know the purpose of this sermon. Amen. You're just now I can get to lunch, right? Stay with me. I got some of you. You were doing it. You were. You already jumped to the end. This is actually about fighting. No, I'm just kidding. See, what if it had been? What if I pulled a curveball here? Listen, a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. That sounds good. So then they go on and they keep moving in the same section as he's sitting on this mountain. I just told you, he, we know this is, he doesn't go into it, John, but it's the Beatitudes. It's the Sermon on the Mount. This is those times when he's talking to people. They follow him. He's sitting on a hill. The people are there. He says to the disciples, and in fact, the other gospels say he looks down and had compassion on them because they were hungry and tired and worn out from following him. So he looks to the disciples and he says, hey, uh, we need to feed the people. Imagine looking down. It's 5,000. Peter, feed them. And Peter, like, pulls two crumbs of bread, right? This is what Peter says to him. Same section, John 6, 8, and 9. Jump down to 9. You can open John 6. It'll help you. If you. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley ro- loaves, not rows, and two fish, but what are they for so many? <laughs> That's a fancy way to say, hey, man, how are we going to do this? <laughs> I got two loaves of bread for 5,000 people. Do you guys think this is a parable? This is like the fox and the hen or something. I don't know. What's one of those old fables? I can't. What's the name of one of those fables? A fox and a hen house? What is it? Huh? The what? There we go. The lion and the mouse. See, someone reads a book here. I don't either. A lion and the mouse. Yeah, is that what you think? This is like, oh, this is cool. No, he took some bread and fed a bunch of people. By the way, if you say you're a Christian, even a grumpy one today, you say you believe this stuff. Otherwise, you're just following a dead guy. Right? So, moving on, jump down to verse 11. Verse 11 through 14 says, Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that, <laughs> so that nothing is wasted. I think that was him chewing off a little. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done... They said, this really is the prophet who is to come into the world. Huh. Therefore, when Jesus knew that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. They saw the sign, and they're going, this guy is the one. He's a prophet. They didn't say the Christ, but he's a prophet, and he is going to overthrow Rome. Let's make him king right now. Yeah, kill the Romans. And he's like, no, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. He runs off. They believed enough they would have followed him into war. Because they saw a sign. And it was a pretty big sign, right? You would believe, wouldn't you? Would you go to community? Would you give offering? Would you go to church regularly if he just showed you a miracle? It's kind of funny what I've realized as Christians. Once we become one, we think that means we have freedom not to follow anymore. See you next year. See you next week. Meet you on Sunday. Come with something good, Jesus. Don't bore me. So, then we jump down, same section, same chapter, 
They just were going to, they call him a prophet. They're about to make him king. You with me? Are you asleep or with me? I just want to see if you were. I didn't even, I set you up. I didn't know what you were going to say. I didn't make you raise your hand, right? Raise your hand if you're with me. You can always tell. Then you're like, some people's like, I'm going to look like I'm not with him, but I also want to be a rebel and not raise my hand. I get, I get it. Here's the thing. Listen, verse 60 in chapter 6, start, like this is in the same chapter. Listen, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't go on. See, you went slow, then you went fast. All right, stay with me. Good job. I trick him all the time. It's like a game. See if he can keep up with me. Right? Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is Who can accept it? I skipped a lot in there. there it was, he just told them some things that they have to do to be in his kingdom. And all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought this was about giving bread and doing miracles. <laughs> Didn't think this would have a cost for me. I thought you were the one paying me in signs and wonders. In the same section... As he's on the hill, he just fed them. We don't know how earlier. He starts teaching them. And by the end of it, the very people who said, let's make him a prophet and a king are now saying, hey, this guy's teaching is hard. How, how hard was it to them? Jump down to 68. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Go to 60. You did. Go to 66. Go to 66. I got so excited. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. He's a prophet. Throw over Rome. You have to change. I hate this guy. Let's go home. Grab your bread. <laughs> right? That's what happened. And we laugh, you know, and it is funny, but it's, what's crazy is we do the same thing sometimes. You know, I do. God saved me and did these miraculous things. Like, if I could write a gospel and you, and you didn't know me, you'd be like, this is a cool story. It's funny, when you're in your own, when you're in your own gospel of Christ moving your life, it doesn't seem that miraculous, does it? But that's why when you tell other people and they say this, right? You overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. It's powerful. But it doesn't seem powerful to us. I think that's a crazy section here. Am I the only one? Okay, after this, they cross the sea and a huge crowd was following them because they literally saw this man heal the sick. Someone was dying, and he goes, you're healed. And they're like, oh, my goodness, this guy, this is a miracle. This guy's got to be a king. He, he heals people, and he feeds us. He gives us what we want. Make him king. The moment he says something you don't want, yeah, bye. Or you're angry. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's my daily miracle? And I'm going to talk about Peter. Remember, I'm weaving his story in here. He was there. We know he's on the hilltop. He's watching the miracles that led them here. He saw the sick. He got to see it even close. You know, lame, all this stuff. He sees Jesus cast out demons. He's seen these things. He's on the hilltop. He hands out the bread. You imagine that? And he's like looking at it. It's like the burrito miracle of 13 here, right? The enchiladas. If you're at the remnant, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, hand it out. And he just imagine looking down. He's like, why, why is this not getting smaller? But he's, he's seen it and witnessing and being a part of it. This is pretty cool. So after they all left, 66, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and accompanied him, 67. Therefore, Jesus then looks, and we always think he goes, you don't want to go? I think he was wounded and sad. And so he looks around. Have you ever been there? Are you leaving me too? You don't want to go away too, do you? Are you leaving me? Do you still believe in me? 68, you know, Simon Peter gets both a good rap. Peter, the apostle, gets probably too much credit. 
as being this perfect guy, but Simon Peter gets too much flack. They're the same person. Do you know that? That the Peter of Acts, whose very shadow could heal the sick, is the same Simon Peter from this that we use as our example of, like, that's silly, Peter. Listen to this. Simon Peter answered, Lord, (laughs) man, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Where would we go? Where else is there to go? 69. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's pretty crazy. It happens other times, too, in the Gospels. He says, who do you say I am? He says, I believe you are the Messiah. You are the one promised to us. Peter says it. And then, yeah, here we go. In Luke 22, 16, 62, here we are. And yet, as we get forward, you know, there, before I, I should have set this up, Jesus is, knows his time is coming. He goes, he takes his three best friends from the 12, the ones who saw him on the mountaintop, saw Moses come down. Do you understand this? They saw Moses. They saw prophets on a hill. Did you know this? Go read it. That's crazy. He brings those three, lets them see that miracle, comes and says, please pray for me because I don't know if I can go through with this. My spirit's willing, but my flesh is feeling weak. Imagine him knowing in that moment Christ said, if I don't go through for this, you are doomed. You don't think he had a choice? Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down in submission. So he sits there and he's praying, right? And he says, stay up with me. I'm going to go pray. Pray with me. He comes back. Peter and the gang are asleep. (laughs) Not even the simplest task after seeing a miracle when it came to him saying, can you do this one thing for me? Oh, you don't do that? How many times do you fall asleep at church? And you get to have lights and sound and explosions. At least they were in a quiet garden. They got a better excuse than we do. And yet, so Peter, who says you are the Holy One, the Son of God, they show up. Peter jumps up, says, I'm with you, chops an ear off. It's a weird story, okay? He's apparently not very good with the sword because I don't think he was aiming for the ear, right? He was clearly aiming for a headshot, and he's like, ah, it's just ridiculous, I can imagine, I don't know, sometimes I have these pictures in my head where Jesus is looking at him, he's like, have you not listened? But also I think he's like, seriously? <laughs> You're not even good with that. So he takes it, heals it, we know that, right? He runs off, it says the disciples abandoned him. The twelve. The three first, right? The twelve, they scatter. And yet some of them follow from behind, right? Don't we do that? Well, I'm still going to church, Lord. I'm still reading the Bible every now and then. And they follow from afar. And remember Peter, the one who said, you, are, you have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know you're the Holy One of God. Now we see in Luke 22, he says, hey, you're with, Peter, you're with that guy, aren't you? As he stands before the court. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then finally, they ask him a third time. And it says right here in verse 60, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. In another gospel, it says he swore, I don't know him. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. 
How did that happen? How did Peter the Rock, how did this happen? How did he go from saying, you're the holy anointed one, seeing miracles? See, you guys have to understand. I have to understand. You were in the same boat. I know because I look at your faces. I see the bitterness. I see the anger. I see the frustration. I see the brokenness very rarely because you cover it with that mask of cold indifference. You like him enough to follow, right? I think you've seen miracles in your life. Some of you, I think you know, I think you, you kind of follow from far away because you love when he drops a crumb of bread. But the moment you don't want to get close enough that he says, you have to change. Or maybe you're the other one like me and you're fired up to do it, right? Yes, God is so good. I love him. And then people are jerks and you want to start chopping ears off. That was the point of when Jesus said, pretty much, let me paraphrase what he said to Peter in that moment. He said, have I taught you nothing? <laughs> Told someone today that when I'm preaching, to remember that I'm preaching to myself. So as you get frustrated and I get fired up, remember I'm talking to myself in the mirror first. That's why I'm so passionate. How could I forget? But how can you forget? Are you even willing to admit that you're not a disciple? That you know who Christ is, but you will not submit because submission means falling into the cross. And you don't want to do that because what if my wife doesn't like it or my husband? Or what if they tell me to come to church when there's a, you know, a football game on? Or what if, that, what if I meet that new fine honey, right? It's either, the thing about Jesus is, before I finish this up is, I want you to see Simon Peter. I want you to see who he is and what he is. Right? I want you to see that he didn't say the right things or do the right things. And I say this so many times, and people, it just becomes Christianese. Judas and Peter were no different. They weren't. In fact, I make the argument that from a human perspective, Judas showed more remorse. How do I know? He went back and he said, don't do this. That's a good man. Take this money. I don't want it. You guys think because you feel bad sometimes that that's what he wants? That self-hatred is the same as obedience and repentance and change? Todd, is that what you think? That if I hate myself enough, that makes up for the fact that I'm not being who he called me to be? That I don't love people because you hurt me? And yet he could look at a man on a cross beside him who had mocked him hours earlier, who now says, please forgive me and accept me and say, hey, it's done. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I can't even look at you and say hi when I'm mad at you. I can't look at you and see you sometimes, you know, it's just so sinful. And I see you and I'm like, you're here, but you're only here because you're putting on a show. You're so, you don't want to be here. I'm talking to members. You amen when they're talking to the person next to you and shut down when the words are aimed at your heart. I get it. All right, are you too young? Don't matter to me. Are you too old? Or your life's too comfortable? Anyway, the story doesn't end there, and I don't put it up because it would, it's a long one. I already made the guys put up a bunch of scripture. But essentially, Judas kills himself oh man, he must have felt bad. No, he, he felt guilty. He didn't feel conviction. 
Peter, it says, went back and started fishing again. Went back to who the world said he was. And Jesus shows up, right? And Jesus comes to him, and he does this thing, and, and you get the sense that Peter just kind of sitting there quietly ashamed, right? You're the rock poking at the fire. That's how I see it in my head. And Jesus hadn't said anything, and then he looks up and says to him, do you love me? Imagine that. You know what? I just talked to a friend. I hope he's not upset when he's saying this. He's like, hey, man, I thought you were passive-aggressive to me. Some of you all would immediately slap Jesus because you think he wouldn't be asking you for real, right? Your self-hatred is stronger than, than the rest of it. He can't possibly just be talking to me. Do you love me? He says, yes. Do you love me? Yes, right? But he says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do your job. Do you love me? I, yes, you know I love you, God. Why are you asking me this, Jesus? Feed my sheep. Right? Be who I told you you were. And that guy then goes on to preach the first sermon ever preached. And tongues of fire came from heaven. Right? And miracles started. And this church today was built on that rock. I think in Peter's story, we see how to get fired up again. Because that guy, somehow that helped him remember the miracles, remember the signs, remember what Jesus told him. And then motivated him to move. Motivated him past his fear. Motivated him past the things holding him back. The guy who was afraid to say he was with Jesus now stood before the Jewish people who had killed him and preached the gospel. That the man you killed is the son of God. And your only hope is to put your faith in him. How did that happen? From one little moment where he says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. How did he get the wonder back? How did he remember the signs? How did he remember the truth in that? How did he do that? How did he get the fire back? How did he change again, right? I'm going to give you a list. I know you love them. How to remember, if it's here, is it here? Nice, he's trying to guess me. How to remember the wonder. This is some of you, man, members more than anyone. How to remember the wonder. One, you need to remember my story. And by mine, I mean yours. I think it's so ironic when I look at Peter that Jesus met him first while he was fishing and came to him again while he was fishing. Why? Be a human again. Remember, Peter would have said, the last time I was fishing, in his mind, he's a human, he would have thought, you told me I'd be a fisherman, fisher of men. <laughs> you, I remember when you came to me. This reminds me of when you showed up when I was fishing. And this reminds me of, of what? That time that you healed that sick guy. And I, and I remember when you told that, guess how our minds work. Like, you remember good times and your mind would start going, gosh, I remember all of that stuff. I remember feeding those people and I remember seeing a sick. And, and, and then I remember seeing Moses and the prophets on a hilltop with you. That was crazy. Remember your story. Do you know, was there a time, if you're a Christian, there was a time when you met Jesus and your life changed enough that you went from saying, I'm not a Christian, to saying, I'm a Christian. Think about that. Sometime in your life, you went from saying, I, I am not a Christian, to I am a Christian. What was the in-between? That's your story. What have you seen? What miracles in your life 
I sat with a Nazi on a bench at 2 a.m. What's your Nazi story? If someone just cuts that, it's going to sound ridiculous. But what is it? What's your hit the button twice and God moves? What's your took a guy who thought he would never be anything because he, he lived in the trailer court and all the cool kids didn't? And that's what church folk do, right? They drive Escalades and SUVs and they sit and look angry all the time. Some of it's still right. And I'm not allowed to be there. And he says, yeah, I got, I got, I'm going to find you where you're at. A kid that was so mad that he'd rather fight you than talk to you. But that was really just to cover the fact that my heart was real tender. It just got beat out of me. And he takes that guy and puts him here. Talking to amazing people like you. I don't deserve this. That when I failed and the world said I'm nothing but a broken wagon... That was a fact that a pastor said to, to, to me, hey, don't, not to me, and says, hey, lady, don't hitch yourself to him because you'll go nowhere. He's broken. His ministry will never be the same. Eight years later, here I am. That's not me. I'm a, I got to be a part of that. How could I be upset? I've seen lives change. The guy that I'm teasing you back there, he won't like this, right? He's running my uh, slides. I've known him since he was 15. I know the miracle of his life. That he's got a beautiful wife and 25 kids, <laughs> right? And now he's serving and is a leader. And when I found him, I don't I think he might be okay with this. It's part of his testimony. He was stealing from the place I worked. Did you know that? Ask him about it. Ask Zach about his story about catching this kid who I'd never met, and I am just started my job pretty much. Like, hey, we need to meet with this guy, me and three other pastors, right? We'll each, we'll each meet once a week so we don't all have to meet with him at the same time. Looking back, I was like, why would you not want to? And then somehow, and he'll tell you this, it was just me and him every week. And I got to see that. And I got to see him and the miracle of his life, and I got to be a part of that. I got to marry this guy. I didn't marry him, but I may perform the marriage. <laughs> but if I was a girl, I would. He's a good guy. Anyway, you understand what I'm saying? That's a miracle. You know, I've seen families, right? The Joneses, everyone says, oh, I'd like the Joneses. I do partly because they came here. And I'm like, hi, would you like to come to our church when they have the white picket fence and everything's together and good job and 12 kids of their own? And um, <laughs> it doesn't seem that many now that I have one, like four. But five, I don't even know anymore. Um, and they show up, and I'm like, hi, would you like to come to our church? And I'm probably, I don't remember, probably have holy jeans on and, I don't know, a hobo shirt. And, and then I'm looking around, I was like, and there's no children's church, and they have all these kids, and they're like, hmm. And they say, yeah, sure, man, we feel like God's calling us here. That's a miracle, right? That's a miracle. You remember that? There was none. It's wild. So we see also, what else? What's two? Well, as Peter was talked to, I think from the story we see when he says, you know I love you, right? I believe 100% that he cried. He had to have. Might have even said, I don't remember, but he cried. So then, number two, you want to wonder, remember your tears. You know, part of your story is remember the pain. That sounds crazy. And remember that you're not there anymore. Well, I'm in pain again, Todd. Yeah, but you're not in that one. 
You're not in the time that he came and he moved you from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, right, of his good son, that you're not there, that I'm not homeless, that I'm not a broken wagon, that God is not done with me, that when the world said it's over, he said I'm the one that says when it's finished. the pain that he brought you through, the times that, that you didn't think he was going to come through, right? And he showed himself again. And I bet you, if you're like me, you don't remember the moment you stopped crying. But when you look back, you go, man, I'm not crying about that anymore. We have to remember that stuff. Do you love me? Right? That would hurt. But in that pain is the remembrance that I had the faith to walk through that then, that he was with me. Guys, do you hear me? Do you understand? Do you know I don't get a cookie if you believe in Jesus? I don't even get a bonus. I tell you this, I did this job for, and I'll toot my horn a little, right? I'm allowed to do that. For six years, five, five of the years, yeah, about five, five or probably five of the years, I don't know exactly, and I can get paid a dime. And I still wouldn't until they said, hey, man, you are not a good enough person to do two jobs. You're being very grumpy. I could not be a banker and a preacher. It was just not working because bank people don't respond the same way. <laughs> Y'all get real mad about your money. I believe in this stuff. Some of you have talked to me, and I see myself in you, that moment of decision when I wasn't raised as this, when I had a choice to say, is this real or is it not? You know what I tell people all the time? He says, do not test the Lord. You're missing the point of that. What it's saying is don't demand signs from me. But it's okay to hold him to his promise. How weird is it if we can't? I can't test God by telling him and asking him to do the things he said he's going to do. That's ridiculous. It's like God's a sociopath in that point. You got to remember your tears. Number three, you got to move. Oh, I'm doing good today. I got like 30 more minutes. I'm almost to the end. Don't get too mad, Luke. I'll get her done. My joy. You know, when I think of the story and he says, do you love me? There's tears and feed my sheep, right? And we know he doesn't get there yet, but I bet he looked at it later. My joy. Imagine Peter's joy remembering when God, because, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but a Jewish man that was a fisherman is not well thought of. He's pretty much a screwball. He was kind of not... A, like, that's not the top job. You know what I'm saying back then? They're not, those are not the priests. Those are not the, you don't grow up as a good Jewish boy and say, I can't wait to be a fisherman. And so this rabbi comes along and looks at you and says, you will be a rock, which I build my church. Imagine the joy that would be to be seen and be encouraged. You ever had someone look at you and tell you, I see something in you that you don't? No? Well, if you haven't, come and talk to me, and I'll tell you, because I have. I've had people, I've, I've seen God, he does it every day. And the joy that comes with that, the joy of the story, the joy of the signs you've seen, where's your joy? You have to remember it if you're going to have it again. You know joy's a promise of God? You didn't know that, did you? Yes, it is. How do I know that? Well, fruit of the Spirit is... Somebody knows it by heart because you learned it in Sunday school, peace, patience, love, blah, 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 right? Joy's in there, yes? 
So you know what I always think about that all the time with God? I'm like, okay, I'm a pretty mopey guy, <laughs> Eeyore. It's definitely not on his, like I told you guys that story, right? Like we would always get Christmas ornaments. And for some reason, then we went through a period of time with Winnie the Pooh when I was growing up. And my, I was always Eeyore. It was very depressing. My brother's Tigger. I guess it would have been worse if she would have called me Pooh Bear. But <laughs> I was the bigger, bigger one. And I did love my Reese Cuffs, which is pretty much honey. Anyway, what? <laughs> Why do you act like you're surprised that I would say this? My joy. Do you, do, you, you know, do you remember a time when you had it? Do you remember the joy of the Lord that you were so excited? If you know God, I'm going to be honest. This, this is going to maybe, I don't mean to convict some of you, but it should make you think. If you never went through a period of time, where you were so fired up that you just told people about Jesus, I'm telling you right now, when I became saved, and this is a promise, within the first week, and this isn't bragging on me, it's the Holy Spirit changed me. I was telling my mom and dad, hey, you guys need to repent or you're going to hell. Jesus Christ is coming for you. And they're going, what? Right? The first week, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew, hey, that's what the play said. Right? Hey, Jesus is real. You guys got to change your entire lives, dad, mom, you know. <laughs> That's why they're telling me to do my chores or something. Anyway, you know, I, that's because I was so joyful. You know, I, I tell this story a lot. As you count your money in the back, I, they tell you a story a lot is um, that, you know, Jack will tell you this. I'm not going to give him any more glory. It's the last time you get to be a part of the story. I'm just kidding. And he was there, and he said, hey, man, do you feel different? And I, to this day, said it, right? I feel, I said, I feel lighter. That's all I could describe. I didn't know Christianity but it gave me joy. Some of you don't have any joy anymore because you don't remember your joy. Church isn't what it used to be. This church has lost its way. Really? Maybe. But did you know that you're a part of it? It's like the hand saying to the head, you've lost your way. What the? <laughs> you're a part of this. <laughs> it made sense to me. Number four, how to remember the wonder, my mission. You know, Jesus reminded him of his mission. When he was giving him his fire back, he said, feed my sheep, be the leader, be the one I called you to be, tell them the truth. You have a mission. You know, when I sit, and I'm not, for me, as I've been trying to remember again, this is what I'm going through, my story, my tears, my joy, my mission. I'm not talking about preaching to you at the remnant. I'm talking about my mission in this life, to be a light to the world, to be the salt of the earth, and as I go to tell people the good news of the gospel. That's it. That my job is that when people look at me, and I know I'm not there, but they should see some part that's different enough to make them go, why is that guy different? And I get to say, have I introduced you to my God? And when I think of the mission, it's hard not to be joyful. If I focus on your grumpiness, because that's what happens. I look at you, you know, I'm talking to members. If you're a guest, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people that I'm allowed to be snotty to. See, that's what I tell myself. They're mean all the time. You're grumpy. All the, you show up every week, and you're like, he should just be happy I'm here. Right? You know who you are, members. And the truth is, I am. But come on. Do you got to be so grumpy? But if I focus on your grumpy face, I forget the fact that I love you. I forget the fact that I have a mission, that God's given me this incredible mission. You got a mission, Trent. It don't matter how you feel about it. You got a mission. He doesn't like to be called. I'm sure he's going to hate that. But you do. You have a reason. That guy's story is a miracle. I know it. I just heard a part of it. You have a miracle. Remember the wonder of that. Don't lose it. 
She's going to come play some music. And I told you, once Peter remembered the wonder of the signs that he'd already seen, he went out and did some wild stuff. Go read the book of Acts. It's crazy. He preached, and it's kind of where you forget. The guy walked by, and a shadow fall. People got healed from touching him. It wasn't him. He embraced the mission that God gave him, that Christ gave him. So what does all this mean in the big context? Well, there's two things here. I think there's a warning. Got to do that. Remember the truth part. And then there's encouragement and a call. And here's the thing, man. I, altar time, there are, there's some weeks I'm like, I'm not doing it. By the way, I challenge those of you who only come up to this altar yourself to go pray with someone else because there's a reason you won't. It's either hurt or pride or fear or anxiety. I love that you come. There's a humility in doing that. And some of you that won't need to do that. But you need, there's something in your way. The only way you're going to kill it is by doing the thing you don't want to do. That's how it works. Have you lost your wonder? Because I, I think I have sometimes. Are you saying, God, if you just give me a sign again, right? And he goes, how many do you need? I mean, and also, if you want to see the signs, if you want to see the best miracles, you got to be close to the Messiah. I mean, we might hear about it, right? You, the people in some of the other towns that said they heard about what he was doing, but, but Peter got to be in the same room. Some of you don't see wondrous things anymore because you're doing the religion without the relationship, and you're like, oh, there's that Christian thing. No, that's what it means. You know, religion is saying, I hear about that guy. He's probably pretty cool, and I might even go to the hilltop and look at him, but I won't take the steps to get to the top I won't work my way in and sit at his feet because he might tell me that I have to give up something. You want to be just a, you know, you've heard it a million times, the fan, or do you want to be the follower? Do you want to be the disciple, or do you want to be the religious guy? Religion never brings life, ever. It takes effort. I know it's hard. I'm sitting here preaching. I told you I had a rough day. I didn't really feel this. But when I go into and I talk to God, and I did today, like I used to, where it's like Jesus is here with me. He is. It's not words on a page. He's not your title. You can teach a bunch of classes. You can do a bunch of uh, religion. You can serve in a ministry. You can lead Bible studies. You can preach it. At a pulpit, you can preach to thousands, but at the end of the day, if you don't remember the wonder, if you don't remember what it is you're getting to do, then when you go to bed at night, some point, maybe not be now, you're going to look around and say, why do I miss a time when things weren't as good as they are now? tell this all the time and I forget sometimes I would never go back to being that guy as far as circumstance you know people you know they try to say I'm sure you wouldn't trade it though would you and I'm like absolutely I would if God came and said hey I got a way that doesn't hurt and isn't with you homeless but you get to do all the fun stuff you got to be a part of I would surely choose that so for me the question has always been this would I trade what I saw for an easier road no I wouldn't lost friends 
not even talking about like when I followed him. I've lost relationships with families. I've seen tragedy and sadness. I've seen brokenness and pain. And I've felt all of the above. But I've also seen miracles and signs and wonders. So have you. You know, imagine, sometimes I wonder, you know, that's what he said to the Pharisees. They came and said, show us a sign. Now, remember, he'd already been healing. I almost gave you this verse. And you know what he says? He goes, only an evil and perverse generation demands a sign. But something really cool happens. And you never really catch it because you think he's yelling at him. He says, the only sign you're going to be given is the sign of Jonah. What he's saying is, the only sign I'm going to give you is when I die and come back to life. And that should be enough. And yet... I guarantee I could take each one of you that claims to be a Christian into a room and you're going to tell me that he showed you something else too once you believe that one, right? That's the thing about him. Isn't that nuts? He, we don't deserve it. And he says, take this step and I'm going to show you even crazier things. Hey, follow me, Peter, and then I'm going to show you this and then I'm going to have you walk on water. <laughs> Guys, you can't have... You can't have an Acts church without acting like Acts believers. And you can't have an apostle with a capital A kind of power in your life and faith and see miracles without doing the stuff they did. Say a lot about Peter, but he always followed him. The farthest he got away, right, was far enough away that Jesus could still look at him. Have you lost your wonder? Have you forgotten the signs God has shown you in your life? Do you want more than dry religion? Maybe, you're, maybe you realize I don't really love anymore. You're not hateful. Maybe, you, maybe you're not angry, but you're, you're just existing. Is that what you signed up for? And I'm not saying to do it to get, but like, I'm being honest. I, I, I put my faith in a living God. I put my faith in a Christ who still works and changes and moves but you've got to do something. Whether you're the member in the room today that's just showing up and your heart's never really ready because you're thinking about you and, and how dare I say that, when the evidence and every time someone says something to you, you want to tell them all the reasons why that's not true. Well, I'm allowed to be mean because so I stubbed my toe and I tripped and you were rude to me and blah, blah, blah. Right? Whether you're somewhere in the middle and you're like, yeah, I remember, and I'm like, I don't really show you my bad qualities, but I don't show you my good either because I'm just kind of clinging on at the end here. I'm just, as, you know, I'm cool with you, Todd, as, let you, 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 as long as you let me do my Jesus thing alone. It's not the option. I know I tried it. Then he made me a pastor. Isn't that weird? Or maybe you're the guest in the room. You're, you're that one step further, and you're like, man, I keep coming every now and then because something about this Jesus he's talking about is different than the one I heard, and I, I want it, but it's scary. I want the signs and wonders, but it's scary. I know it's scary. I'm going to tell you, I say it every week. The guy had to come up to me after I raised my hand because I wasn't going to go and say, you don't have to be afraid. Listen, you don't have to be afraid. It's real. What if people think I'm weird? They already do. They just don't tell you, Right? You have to take that step. Or if you're in the room, and I think you're the fourth one, right? You're here because somebody made you come. <laughs> Someone made you come here today, and you're just waiting, right? Will he go five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes? I just can't wait to get out of here. The member's like, no, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Life is like this. 
right? Every time I talk to someone older than me, what is the first thing they say? Hey, enjoy it. My dad told me that recently. He said, the stage you're in life, right? He says, enjoy it. Because you're going to blink and 15 years have passed. How many signs and wonders do you miss in 15 years? It doesn't have to be that way. I don't believe it. It's all true or none of it is. If you're in the room, do you want more than dry religion? You got to remember the signs and wonders. I, and, and I'm going to describe this. It's not written in my notes. For me, today, yesterday, this last few weeks, it's been this, this process. Remember the veil we kind of talked about? It's like I'm slowly doing this, and it stinks because sometimes I have to make an effort. I have to make an effort to see you. That's kind of why I sent that, those, that letter out to people, right? Because at the end of the day, it's so easy to become blinded. You have to choose to face it. Those of you who have been for the Kingdom Series, look in the mirror, readjust that. Hair, I think the women, you like that meme that says, readjust your crown, queen, and walk out, right? Do that. Remember the signs and wonders. Repent of the things that are in your heart. I've repented, and I repented to every, God, and I, had, I did it to you. I repent of the moments that you don't even know that I'm bitter or I'm upset because you don't listen <laughs> or I'm upset because I had to tell you 15 times that you do need community. Forgetting how many times Jesus has to tell me the same thing. Or if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, I kind of told you, but I, real simple. God made everything perfect. The good news of the gospel starts with bad news. God made everything good. You're told that's not bad. And then he said, you got one rule. I'm God, you're not. If you listen to me and do what I say, everything else will take care of itself. He made us to, be, to live. You, do you understand? You are the very image of God. There's a part of you that has a handprint on him on you from him. Well, I don't believe him. doesn't matter. A son or a daughter can believe their parents aren't their parents, but they don't change their DNA. Your DNA is the father's. So because we disobeyed him, he said, if it's, and before you say, well, that seems unfair. If, if I tell you to not touch a hot pan and you touch and get burned, is that my fault? No. That's a consequence. He said, if you walk away from me, if you try to be God, you'll fail, you'll sin, you'll have to be away from me, and you'll die. We did it anyway. And from that moment, we have wandered this earth through time, humanity, and wandered farther from the Father, farther from God. And we have stored up for ourselves wrath. God's wrath is against us because he is very simple. If you're not with him, you are against him. There will come a day when that's a fact. That God will literally say, as C.S. Lewis said, you can say to, to, to God, thy will be done, or he'll say to you, thy will be done. You want hell, I'll give it to you. Have what you want. Well, I don't want hell, I just don't want you, God. That's, it doesn't, that's how it works. And so we wandered around, we messed this place up, right? And you can see it every day on the news, in your own lives. Sin. Sin is all the brokenness, it's all the bad things we do, and it's disease and death. And here's the thing, it's really bad. And then Jesus, God himself, invaded this earth, came down in the form of a man. That sounds crazy, I know, but so is a floating ball of gas called the sun that you believe in every day. 
Well, I can see it. You've seen. He raised from the dead. See, I'm trying to get through your, your mind here. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He told us how to live. He performed miracles. He died. He performed the greatest miracle. He rose from the dead three days later. And he said this, that if you put your faith in me, I will take your sin, the wrath stored for you, and I will give you new life. I will give you the benefits of my perfect life after I take your mistakes. But you've got to give it up. You've got to change. You can't say, God, take my sin, give me your life, but I'm going to go do what I want. No, repentance means I see it. I take back the decision. You're God, I'm not. I don't get it, but I'm going to change, and you have to mean it. The Bible says it's really easy, but it's people make it more complicated. Romans says if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips, say it. Why do I have to say it, Todd? That reason. The fact that you even question it, it's the reason you got to say it out loud. It's the final nail in the coffin of your pride. When you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved, period. You can do that today. This is called altar time. You'll have five minutes or so because i got to get the people to their lunch. And in that time, listen, respond, brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus, to some of you, I know he is to me, proverbially is saying, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Stop hesitating. And if you're in this room and you don't know him, he's saying, I love you. Will you love me? Don't leave the same as you came in. I promise you it's no scarier than what I had to do. Walk up at a place I'd never been to before. There's people in the shadows. Ain't nobody looking at you anyway because God's dealing with them. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.